Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Gosh, I see. Yeah, you'd have your hat on and you'd be poking the fire with your stick stabber thing. Oh, gosh. Your prong or whatever it was. My, yes, that's right. Oh, my God. I snore. That's terrible news. I'll have to get myself an anti-snoring kit. Yeah. Get the one that electrocutes you when you snore. <laughs> it's, it's like a it's like a bracelet. Dave, are you you're supposed to be my friend? <laughs> yeah, but it'd just be quite funny, the video of <laughs> I like that. He was so horrible to me. Great <laughs> Oh, hang on. I'm just switching off my phone because I just suddenly... Well, we went to the... We were at the caravan. When were we at the caravan? Friday. Friday. Was it Friday? Oh, yeah, Friday. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but did you go like this? Charlie, should we go to the caravan? Yeah, Des, let's go caravan. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how it went down? <laughs> he said he found some jelly leels. <laughs> let's go caravan. <laughs> oh, Dave, it's so funny. Oh, you have a nice day. We had a very nice day. I've got to exit that one. Right, now I've got to find this. Right, okay. Let's see if we can find this. I found the first two. Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker. Okay, next one. Oh, it's disappeared again. Oh, no, it's here. Yeah? I think that's it, yeah. Yeah, that's it. It finishes nicely on that, right. Okay, in America this week, week beginning 20... Yes, that's right. Right, are you ready, Desmond? <laughs> I am indeed, Dave. This has been a few weeks, isn't it? It has, it has. Well... Our Platinum Jubilee. No, it's not. We've got to get another six more shows in before we get there. But this is show 64. to this week's Des and Dave. In America this week, Russian military briefings frequently portray Ukrainian forces as criminals and neo-Nazis. Ukraine anger, as President Macron says, don't humiliate Russia. January 6th committee have subpoenaed five Republican lawmakers to appear before them. 10 dead in Buffalo supermarket attack. Police call hate crime. 19 dead in primary school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, with four different police reports of the incident. Furious Beto O'Rourke interrupts Greg Abbott's press conference, shreds him and gets escorted out. And in other news this week, the Queen celebrates her platinum jubilee. And how many letters have been sent in calling for a vote of no confidence in Prime Minister Boris Johnson? It's a question that is definitely going to be answered at some point this week. And we now know what the Queen keeps in her handbag. For when one has a peckish moment. Marmalade sandwiches, ma'am? it wrong all that and more <laughs> from des and dave
Jeffrey Bezos, CEO entrepreneur, born in 1964, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Bezos, come on Jeffrey, you can do it, pave the way, put your back into it, tell us why, show us how, look at where you came from, look at you now, Zuckerberg and Gates and Buffett, amateurs can fucking suck it, fuck their wives, drink their blood, come on Jeff, get them! Hello, there's hello. hello. <laughs> well, that was topical, Dave. Mr. Jeffrey Bezos. How have you been? All good. Just enjoying my Platinum Jubilee weekend. Oh, oh fabulous. Fabulous. Well, the Ukrainians uh, don't appear to be enjoying their Platinum weekend in much the same way. Um, because the story, one of the stories coming out of the... Um, out of Ukraine, is that the Russian military briefings um, frequently portray the Ukrainian forces as criminals and neo-Nazis. Um, and what has become apparent is that Russia is using a, a familiar tactic to blame an adversary, and there are many subsequent examples of this, is to blame an adversary for attacks the adversary has not carried out. On this occasion in question, they're accusing the Ukrainian forces of blowing up a fertilizer storage facilities. Now, the purpose of the attack, says the Russian defense ministry, was so that the Ukrainians could then accuse Russian forces of having launched a chemical weapons attack. Russia also claims that the Ukrainian security forces have interrupted, have attempted rather, to set up a second false flag event by appealing for bodies to be used to simulate a Russian air attack. And there's no evidence that either of these claims are true. What are false flags attacks? Uh, Moscow has a history of falsely accusing its opponents of staging provocations, which either never happened at all or were subsequently carried out by themselves or their allies. And it seems to be a, a copybook repetition of these kind of um, propaganda that Russia is using to attack its West the West the NATO and some of the Western countries, um, and therefore attempting to diminish their global reputation or credibility. You've also got like the EU announcing the sanctions this week as well, and uh, is it the ban on oil? But yes. gas is obviously proving more difficult. But there's so many different fronts now with the you know the the war from Russia. You, I can't keep up this. There's so many different developments. Like the, it seems the US have finally agreed to give them the long range weapons because part of the things the US feared was they could fire quite far into Russia. And then obviously this has upset the Russians and so on. But like you say, there's a lot of uh, mixing of who's winning where and what. And, you know, only a couple of days ago, one of the correspondents who's quite well placed was saying like, the Ukrainians are losing in the Donbass. But again, then you look today and it's the Ukrainians are claiming they've managed to recover a lot of territory from the Russians. So it seems to be the, the front is all in this now Donbass region. And it's very difficult to know who's doing actually who's doing what, because the propaganda seems to be on both sides. <laughs> you know, they're both claiming victories, which none, no one can confirm. Um, and we know that Russia has a history of doing so, but it clearly the Ukrainians feel they also need to enter the propaganda war. And uh, that's, uh, we, we have to just suck it and see. We just have to wait and, you know, for, for, for evidence, for adequate evidence before we are able to believe what we can. But either way, the war does not appear it appears that it could go on for an awful long time, and it's clearly 
of concern to quite a lot of Europeans because we've heard that in Africa, for example, some of the African governments are concerned about the loss of wheat production yeah. from Ukraine. Um, and and they're Russia, now... there's a huge amount of wheat from uh, Ukraine and Russia is quite a substantial yeah. amount of, uh, you know, the world's food supply. Yeah, and people are actually now starving. The, this is the this is the fear, um, but there are there appears to be two counter arguments um, put forward by some of the NATO countries. It depends what side you're on. Some of them are saying that um, it is necessary for Ukraine to concede some territory um, and thereby appeasing the Russians. And others are saying this is a war the Russians have to conclusively lose. Um, and it's led to the next headline that we've got, which is that Ukrainians are feeling particularly angered, as uh, President Macron says, that um, he told the French regional media that Russia's leaders, leader had isolated himself and we, NATO, should not attempt to humiliate Russia. And his actual phrase was, don't humiliate Russia. And this has rather angered the Ukrainians. The, the its foreign ministers hit out at um, Emmanuel Macron after he said it was vital that Russia was not humiliated over its invasion. Macron said it was crucial President Vladimir Putin had a way out of what he called a fundamental error. But Dimitro Kuluba said allies should better focus on how to put Russia in its place as it humiliated, um, humiliated itself. Um, but Macron, as we know, has repeatedly spoken to um, Mr. Putin by phone, and I think he's made a number of visits in an effort to broker a ceasefire negotiation. Um, but the French attempts to maintain a dialogue with the um, Kremlin leader contrast that with the US and the UK positions. Um, and the uh, Ukrainian foreign minister, Kaluba, said in a tweet that calls to avoid humiliation of Russia can only humiliate France and every other country that would call for it. Kiev says, Russia must not get territorial concessions from Ukraine as the Russian invasion has been condemned internationally as brutal aggression. And it's really, the claim is, you started it. Um, we cannot allow you to um, succeed. And I think that's Biden's permission, um, Biden's view. And I think that's probably also the British, um, the British government's view of the situation. It's a war that they feel that Russia must lose. Otherwise, it will just expand its territories and make a World War III almost an inevitability. I don't know if you have a view on the World War III situation right now. Because I've changed my position since the outset of this war. Um, I used to believe that, you know, we must tread very carefully to ensure that we don't get World War Three. And now I'm I'm actually feeling with the the exposure by the Ukrainians of the fragility um, of the Russian so-called empire that um, I think the NATO should put its foot down and say, you want to you want to participate in a you know in a in a uh, nuclear war? Go ahead. There'll be nothing left of the planet once you do that. You will bomb us out of existence, we'll bomb you out of existence. Who wins? Nobody wins. And I think that Russian bluff needs to be called, Putin's bluff needs to be called. And soon, the sooner the better. So I've changed my view on, on that situation. So you'd, you'd have the Europeans march an army into Ukraine and help out their fellow Ukrainian brothers? I think I would. And I don't know 
I don't know quite how that that comment would be viewed by others, but I really seriously think that it's time to put this this war to an end. Half the world is starving. The other half of the world can't function because it needs, I mean, everything is so interconnected that we need the resources from different countries to be able to stabilize the economy of the globe. And we need it for just to keep people either in work and employment or certainly keeping them, you know, with a, a roof over their heads and foods in their belly. And this man is placed all of that in jeopardy, I think it should march straight into Ukraine and say, look, get over to your side and you stay there. Um, and maybe some blunt talking needs to be done. I don't know. What do you think, David? <laughs> march, the, march the army in and see. I mean, I don't know. I'd talk, I'd, I'd talk with Zelensky. He seems to be the wisest man of our time. So I'd ask him, what do you need now? Send in the damn fighter jets, for God's sakes. Give him whatever he requires. Do you want it? Go for it. You know, give him the blank check. What do you need? You want men? All right, here's some men. Yeah, it needs to be ended soon. Can't yeah. play this long game that Putin appears to want to play because he's, he's, the claim is that his, his health is very fragile. What's it got to do with us? That's his problem. His health <laughs> may be even more fragile with certain elements inside of his... Uh, Thing, you know, next time he drinks a cup of tea, must be careful. Anyway, let's move, Desmond. Time, time is pressing against well, us. Less well, we're, we're, get, we're coming to some more domestic issues. The January 6th committee um, have subpoenaed uh, five Republican lawmakers um, to appear before them. Um, and they've subpoenaed um, uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, the minority leader of the House, Andy Biggs, who's from Arizona, this Scott Perry from Pennsylvania, and Jim Jordan, Ohio, um, and Mo Brooks from Alabama to appear before them. But um, we've got an audio, short audio, that uh, reflects on this. To it, Luke, serving subpoenas to your colleagues in Congress, many people have been asking for this for months, but it's a huge undertaking and a huge risk. Why do it now? Well, they're really out of other options. They're come, uh, the January 6th committee is coming up on some uh, an important set of hearings in June. And there's a key avenue of the investigation, which is basically left unexplored. And that is the role members of Congress played. Now, they have information from other sources. They've been able to compile a record of what some of these members of Congress did. But so far, every single letter that this committee has sent to a Republican member of Congress has been rebuffed. No one has been willing to come in voluntarily. And so there was a lot of debate internally on this committee about how they should approach this, how they can get people to come in. They did not want to have to issue subpoenas, but they really feel like they have no other choice at this point, that the only chance they have for getting any Republican in Congress to come forward and testify about what they know about January 6th is to issue a subpoena. And you're right, it is it is unprecedented outside of the Ethics Committee, at least in modern history, for there to be a subpoena of a sitting member of Congress by a congressional committee. But I would also note that it is unusual also for members of Congress to fight uh, an investigation and not want to come in. If you look at some of the previous investigations carried out by Republicans, uh, Democrats did participate with those investigations. I mean, Hillary Clinton famously sat for something like 18 hours of the Benghazi hearings, and I'm sure she didn't think that that was a uh, totally above board investigation. So, yes, we are in unprecedented times. Which we have. I like it, though. I like it. Come and speak, come and speak. And some of them are realizing like they don't want to be dragged down a, the, the road of, um, oh, what's his name? Bannon, Steve Bannon. So, yes. you know, are you going to comply with the committee? Because I feel like they've got their story. From what, do, do you know much about the detail when the committee hearings start? Yes, it's the first hearing will be on the 8th. I've no, been, but as I'm, in the I'm style, the they're going to do it. Um, well, because what I've heard is that they're, they're, it's not actually going to be the Congress people. It's not going to be Liz Cheney and, um, oh God, I've forgotten his name now. 
uh, um, but, Jamie Raskin and so on is actually going to be the career staffers that is like the workings of the committee, the ones that are like the ex-FBI agent, the ex-CIA person, the, they're, they're going to tell a story. This is the way I've heard about it so far. They're, they are the ones going to be asking the questions and knitting it all together rather than it just be the Congress people throwing a wobbly. Yeah, I think they need sharp legal minds for the questioning. And I think, as you say, they haven't really got an awful lot of time and um, they need to tell a story in the in such depth that it will turn the American people away from the, um, the, the way in which the, the Republicans have interpreted what has occurred to date. So, yeah, um, but there seemed to be a little bit of confusion about the exact format they're going to be using. Um, and, and some people are saying that the reason they're keeping these tightly information tightly guarded is because they really want to surprise. <laughs> There's going to be a surprise element to all of this. But um, yes, they're asking people to come forward and we, there has, there's been an update since this um, information that Navarro um, has been, uh, I believe, indicted indicted um and uh, he's he's point blankly refused to provide any information yes but he's now been arrested they clapped him in irons at an airport absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah because they think that he's possibly you know what they they think that he might flee he might disappear um a flight risk oh he's a definitely they, they considered that he is he's he's a risk um and uh, so but what's a little bit confusing about his situation he's quite prepared to discuss these situations openly on 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 television on the media he's happy to put some of this information in a book but he's unprepared to discuss these same issues with the January 6th committee, which all suggests that, you know, he's got something clearly to hide. Um, but, you know, he started life as a Democrat, Navarro. Um, he attempted to get a Senate post under the um, Clinton administration, if I remember rightly. Um, he was unsuccessful and has been subsequently unsuccessful and then picked up by Trump much later on as a, in, by, by way of an introduction through his son-in-law, Krishna. So he's rather got a checkered past, Mr. Navarro. But yeah, it'll all come out. It'll all come out. I'm looking forward to it. But this is one of the one of the crazy things is every single recipient of the January 6th committee subpoenas, right? They're all lawmakers. This is what is, I suppose, must be puzzling the American people. They're all lawmakers who took a solemn oath of office to serve their, their office and country with dignity, transparency, honesty, and uh, protect their country from foreign and domestic dangers. And more important, most importantly, uphold the Constitution. <laughs> and... <laughs> What's happened? Um, we've got an audio of Don Winslow, um, who who is Don Winslow himself is a. Uh, excuse me a second, Don it's Winslow. Not Mike, it's not Michael Winslow of uh, Police Academy fame that can do all the great sound effects with his mouth. No, <laughs> he's an American author, um, best known for his award-winning and internationally best-selling crime novels. One, I think, novel was called The Savage and another one called The Force and, and one other I can't remember at the moment. But he has gained notoriety for producing a series of videos <laughs> critical of Donald Trump and in support of various progressive cases and, and, and political, um, political candidates. And he, has, he offers some comments um, about the current situation. The question is, will we ever actually hear from all the parties. Kevin McCarthy and the four other House Republicans are supposed to appear before the end of the month, but one New York Times best-selling author turned activist made it very clear today he ain't holding his breath. 
We welcome to the show this evening Don Winslow. His latest book, City on Fire, the first in a new trilogy, but it will be his last series. He's retiring from writing to focus on one thing, political activism. Don, welcome. You, my friend, are not shy about your frustration with the January 6th committee. Today you posted this. After 16 months, the January 6th committee finally subpoenaed Kevin McCarthy, Jim Jordan, and three more. But it doesn't matter. It's too late. Hearings are next month. McCarthy already said he would not cooperate. This is all theater. This is all theater. None of these people will ever testify on TV or under oath. I get it. You're mad. I'm mad. What should the committee have done differently? Well, started much earlier. It took six months to form this committee. It took one week after the John Kennedy assassination to form that committee. Uh, they should have issued subpoenas immediately instead of issuing invitations. What's an invitation? What is a courtesy meeting? Why are we bringing people in behind closed doors and telling them or asking them, please talk to us, please talk to us, when we saw them committing crimes? It's ridiculous. Now we're 16 months into this thing and we're just now issuing subpoenas. How are we going to enforce these subpoenas, Stephanie? So do you think excuse me, Democrats are being naive when they talk about moral obligations? In that last segment, I heard the word unprecedented over and over. For four years, we talked about how things were unprecedented and they wouldn't happen again. But here we are. Well, everything's been unprecedented. Let's start with, with a presidential candidate paying hush money to a porn star. Let's start with a presidential candidate making fun of a disabled reporter. Let's talk about a man who came on your network and said that he, you know, uh, fired Jim Comey in order to shut down the Russian investigation. Precedent, 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 precedent. How many unprecedented things do we need to take action here? But this is what we've been saying all along. It's the wealth of stuff. It would be easier to list what laws and rules he never broke. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way yeah. I yeah, never saw him litter Desmond <laughs> from what I hear he even threw away documents responsibly in the toilet <laughs> or he was trying or, to recycle consume, the paper or consume them <laughs> yes or eat yes eat them was particularly funny but yeah we forget that was right back at the beginning the FBI guy we forget I want loyalty you yes, know I want totally. loyalty and what we've discovered since is all the way through, it was people trying to keep to their vow. You know, what was the, we had the clip of him a, a few weeks ago, the, is it defense, secretary of defense, the third one. And he got fired shortly after November 3rd last year, because he wouldn't, he wouldn't instruct Georgia and he wouldn't do yeah. all sorts of things. And he would, this is when like he got told to move uh, all the troops out of Germany. And what he yeah. did was just rearrange the troops in Europe. <laughs> he left the 10,000, but just distributed them. Like, okay, you go 10 miles that way, 10 miles that way. So he just tried to not defy direct orders, but be creative with the order that he was given. So yeah, I moved them out of Germany. They're just quite close by. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually he was fired. So, you know, it, it, all the way through, the, the system has held slightly just because of people, you know, holding their oath. But... When are they going for him, Des? The, the TV hearings, bring it on, man. Like, I don't think they can ask him to give evidence. Why would you want to? You just prove everything else around him. Because even the story I've seen about Mike Pence, we know he refused to get in his um, limo and drive away. But it appears that he also knew more, and so did his chief of staff, because his chief of staff warned the Secret Service the day before. Trump has said this now publicly, and we fear for the vice president's safety. He said that they, they went to the Secret Service the day before and said that. And then there's been an email or text message exchange between the different Secret Service agents about, oh, we'll take him to Andrews Air Force Base. Oh, no, you. And the reply is, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't start playing games. Well, this tells you there's a little bit more going on again than we've been led to believe. And apparently, if they'd have taken Pence away, they might have been able to continue because they would have um, put a different chairman in place. Yeah. And it would have been someone like Jim Jordan or whatever and wave it all through. So, yeah. Yeah. It's that's <sighs> all of which is absolutely true. And most importantly, we've um, some information have, have surfaced now that um, 
I that Trump was asked about the danger that, um, that it was relayed to him that Mike Pence was in danger of being lynched by the by Trump supporters at the Capitol. And when told this, Trump says, said, well, he didn't do what we asked him, what we asked, perhaps he should be lynched. And apparently somebody heard this and has now gone public with this information. Um, someone within the, the, the close circle, the Trump circle, have now released that information. So it's, he, he's appeared that he didn't really care whether he, he um, the Trump, that, he, that his vice president got killed there and then. It seems that it probably made him incredibly happy. So it's a strange situation to be, to be following up. But quite crucially in America, something else is happening, which is of enormous concern. We had a couple of weeks ago, um, 10 people that were killed in the Buffalo supermarket attack, which the police um, described as hate crime. And what's interesting about all of this is that a white 18 year old um, wearing military gear and live streaming with a helmet camera opened fire with a rifle at a supermarket in Buffalo, killing 10 people and wounding three others in what the authorities, as I said, described as racially motivated, um, a violent extremism. Police said he shot 11 black and two white victims before surrendering to authorities. In a rampage, he broadcasted live on streaming platform Twitch. Amongst the dead was an 86-year-old mother of a retired Buffalo Fire Commissioner. Later, this young man appeared before a judge in a paper medical gown and was um, charged, was placed on a murder charge. And some of the comments it provoked was people saying that it's my sincere hope that this individual, this white supremacist who just perpetrated a hate crime on an innocent community will spend the rest of his life or his days behind bars. And heaven help him in the next world as well, said the governor, Kathy Ocho, who was near the scene of the attack at the time. But the massacre sent shockwaves through the entire American nation um, gripped with racial tensions and the issue of gang violence. And this is at the back of a whole spate of uh, hate crimes, some of which have gone unreported. And in the day prior to the shooting, Dallas police said they were investigating a series of shooting in Koreatown as hate crimes. So this Buffalo attack, came just one month after another mass shooting on a Brooklyn subway train wounded 10 people. Um, but a number, the President Biden made a statement in which he said that he and the First Lady were praying for the victims and all this. At the moment, there seems to be only prayers being referred to as a, as, as a, a means of you know, restoring sanity, but it, it's absolutely crazy. I don't know if you want to add any more to this Buffalo incident, because a week later, we had yet another one, which I will, I will, uh, I will, information I will share on the second event, which were, in which 19 people died in a primary school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Mm. And what was particularly grim about the second one is that we had four, at least four different police reports of the incident. According to the police, they cannot get their story correct about what actually took place. And we have a short audio recording of 
a child's recollection. So what the child's, who was a primary student in the very room where the gunman was, was placed. And um, it was it's being narrated by Lawrence, but it's the audio, it, it time, the young people in that room were told it was time to die by the gunman. And we have a short clip, which you probably explain in greater depth than I can about what has happened. It's time to die. That's what the murderer told children before he started shooting them in their classrooms. It's time to die. We don't know that because the official dispensers of information controlled by Republican Governor Greg Abbott told us that. They didn't tell us that. We know that because a local television reporter found an eyewitness, an unnamed nine-year-old boy, whose parents didn't want him to be identified but allowed him to be interviewed. The boy hid under a table that was covered with a tablecloth. That's why he's alive. That tablecloth blocked the murderer from seeing this nine-year-old boy under the table. We have a door in the middle, and he opened it, and then he came in, and he crouched a little bit, and he said, it's time to die. When he shot, it was very loud, and it hurt my ear. When I saw the bullets on the floor, it was real. It's time to die. It was real. The boy was hiding under that table with a friend. He saw his teacher get shot and killed. He saw another classmate get shot and killed by the gunman as the police approached the classroom. I was telling my friend to not talk because he's going to hear us. The cop said, help if you need help. And then um, the guy, one of the persons in my class said, help. Um, the guy overheard and he, sh he came in and shot her. And then the cops barged in into that classroom and um, the guy shot the cops and the cops just started shooting. If that sounds like bad police work to you, that the police in effect caused a little girl to be killed because they encouraged the children to say help, that is not the only possibly bad police work that happened that day. The police department in Uvalde is located 1.2 miles away from the school, and it took 14 minutes from the 911 call for police to arrive at that school. They could have arrived within three minutes, but they didn't. Republican Governor Greg Abbott went to Uvalde, Texas yesterday to have literally the biggest press conference we have ever seen in the aftermath of a school shooting. State police officials were there, local police officials were there, federal law enforcement representatives were there, Lieutenant Governor was there, both of the state's Republican senators were there. They're, they were all there to support the story Governor Abbott wanted to tell, a story he wanted to be true, but now we know is not really close to true. Officers with the Consolidated Independent School District, they approached the gunman and engaged with the gunman uh, at that time. The gunman then entered a back door and went down two short hallways and then into a classroom on the left-hand side. The gun room uh, entered into that classroom and the classroom was connected internally to another classroom. Border Patrol, Consolidated ISD officers, police, sheriffs, and DPS officers converged on that classroom. And a Border Patrol officer killed the gunman. It seems really, it seems really strange with America because they're obsessed with their Second Amendment. And I feel like no matter what tragedy happens, they still won't do anything about their guns. Yeah. yeah. But you could control bullets. There is many a clever idea about how to get around this. You could really clamp down on bullet sales, make them all, yeah. It's uh, America, they are. Uh, they love their gun. You know, how many stories we know of, even kids killing their parents and stuff like that by accident. And that's taking them to a, a shooting range and stuff like just constant, yeah. yeah. If you don't have them, you can't have the things happen. What 
he left out was that it took a further 70 minutes before the police, police were willing to confront the gun. They were outside the door of the classroom. They were waiting there. It was not only just the police, but it was also home security, both waiting there, which were federal police officers um, and local police officers were waiting outside the room for seven, zero minutes. Even parents tried to enter the building, but were restrained by the police, and they threatened them with arrest if they went in the building, but the police wouldn't go in. And what's really worrying about all of this is the police have repeatedly lied about the events of that day. And they have no answers to what took place. And when asked, could something more have been done? They remained silent and finally remarked when pushed that that was a tough question. But one of the things, as you correctly identified, it's they hang on to the to, to number two amendment from <laughs> their constitution, which was produced many, many years ago. The right to ago. bear arms, yeah. The right to bear arms. The, they didn't have automatic you know, weapons that could do the kind of damage that it's, it's currently doing in those days. So the, it was a different world, a different time in, our, in American history, and the situation was complete and utterly different. But it appears in America now that when a mass murderer, for want of a better word, turns 18, he can legally purchase an assault weapon. And here's something really quite interesting. This is the ages of gunmen in mass shootings in America that's happened quite recently, fairly recently. In Uvalde, which is Texas, the one that we're currently under discussion, the young man was 18 years old. In Buffalo, just a couple of weeks ago, the young man was 18 years old. In Parkland, it's not that long ago, the young man was 19 years old. In Houston, Texas, 17 years old. In Sandy Hook, 20 years old. And in Columbine, there were two. One was 18 and the other 17. This is what America looks like today. More guns in America than, <laughs> than its actual population. And despite what American politicians say, then seems unlikely that they will get rid of the gun. It's an important part of their identity. But there is more on this issue and I, I wanted to share this. Um, Beto O'Rourke was at the press conference that Greg Abbott, the governor, held. And he interrupted the press conference amidst a, a wealth of abuse um, by the governor and the entourage. Um, there were an awful lot of people that would, Cruz was there, the, there were, the mayor of Texas was there and he was incredibly abusive. Um, but just to better rock, better or rock rather, um, he caused the dramatic scene, he was angry. When he when he confronted Greg Abbott at the at, at his um, Abbott's news conference in Uvalde about the Rob Elementary school shooting, um, where the gunman killed nineteen children and two adults, so and, and a rook yell, "This is on you!" Um, and it's it's important to remember, rook is running for the governorship against Abbott um, this year, 
and um, and uh, um, that Greg O'Rourke accused the, the governor of doing nothing about the problem of gun violence. You are offering nothing, up nothing, he said. Um, this whole situation was predictable. Um, this was predictable when you choose not to do anything. And some of the Republican officials on stage quickly denounced O'Rourke. Um, Senator Ted Cruz told him, sit down and don't play this stump, stunt. Patrick O'Rourke, uh, Patrick, uh, and, uh, uh, and another um, uh, part of the governor's team, said O'Rourke was out of line and an embarrassment. And uh, the mayor, Don McLaughlin, gave the most colorful response. He says, I can't believe that you were a sick son of a bitch that would come to deal like this to make a political statement. Anyway, O'Rourke was ev eventually turfed out of the room and on his way out, he, he turned around to address Abbott again. And he again said to him, this is on you. You, ch you chose to do something different. This will to continue to happen unless somebody Somebody needs to stand up for the children of the state. And we have a, a short clip of him expressing his fury, furiosity, <laughs> his anger at what had taken place. Line and an embarrassment. Hey, I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch that would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. It is absolutely wrong. In fact, it is insane. The governor talks about mental health. It is insane that we allow an 18-year-old to go in and buy an AR-15. What the hell did we think he was going to do with that? This one is on us. And what do you say to Texas Governor Greg Abbott who says now is not the time to make this political? Now is the time to stop the next shooting. Um, right after Santa Fe High School was the time to stop the next shooting. Right after El Paso was the time to stop the next shooting. Right after Midland Odessa was the time to, to stop the next shooting. And in each case, we say, this isn't the time. Now is the time, like literally right now. That's why I'm here. Um, that's what we want as a state. Uh, that, that, that's what I want as a parent. I've got three kids who are in high school and middle school and elementary school. That's what they want. And, and I face their judgment and my conscience and ultimately my maker for what I do when I have the chance to, to change this and I'm going to do everything in my power to change this and I'm not alone the majority of Texas is with us on this right now the majority of Texas is not reflected by that governor or those people around the table who talk about mental health care or say that this is pure evil or that it was absolutely unpredictable this is predictable it will happen and it will continue to happen until we change course we've got to change course he's mad Desmond but he's right <laughs> He is angry, isn't he? He's extraordinarily angry. But I mean, we need entire... some more people, politicians like this that are, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. But you know, Dave, it's the Republican swan song. They were repeated that message at the CPAC meeting, and that CPAC meeting was um, um, happened on the very day that these some of these young people were being buried and it was regarded largely as insensitive. And Donald Trump was present um, and uh, a number of other Senate, uh, Republican senators were, were also present and all making the same argument that actually the problem is not the guns. The people were heard to be saying that um, it's not the guns that kill people, it's people who, keep, who kill people. 
and more importantly, that the problem is with mental health. It wasn't that long ago when, when Black Lives Matter suggested that some of the money that's being spent on policing be spent on propping up the mental health um, institutes to, to provide the kind of care that clearly people needed. And they were condemned out of hand by those same Republicans who insisted that it's important that they have their guns. Well, they've got their guns now, and God help us all. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's not those senators, kids that are at those primary elementary schools their kids are all in private schooling most of their kids are in private schooling so they don't have any worries about a mad gunman turning up and shooting and their their loved ones they don't have this problem but what a thing to worry about and remember when it happened in the united kingdom in dunblane uh, was it 1996? That was it. We changed the gun laws. We made them incredibly strict, and that's it. And it stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, have we got another clip to finish off this Texas story, Des, before we... Yes, uh... Tony Michaels. Who's he and what's he done? Right, he had some words for the GOP after the... the grand old party, yeah. otherwise known as the Republicans, eh? The Republican party. <laughs> They say they're pro-life. They say they're American. They say they're patriotic. They say save the children, but they stand back and watch children get slaughtered time after time after time. This will not be the last time that the GQP has blood on their hands. Last week, it was a fucking grocery store and a, and a church. Yesterday was a school. Second, third, fourth graders teachers. The shooter in Uvalde was not a lone gunman. He had the help of Governor Abbott, the NRA, Senator Ted Cruz, John Cornyn, you weak motherfucker. Oh, I'm going to back out of the NRA because it looks bad. You know what looks bad? You know what looks really fucking bad? John Cornyn, you weak piece of shit. Dead children's bodies all over the floor of a school. That's what we should do. We should make the governor and the senators and all the GQP go mop up those children off the floor. There's a law you can fucking pass. I think the country is sick and fucking tired of this shit. This is America, folks. The land of the armed and the home of the broken. Every parent in the in America this morning was nervous about sending their children to a school. Think about it for a second. I know you hugged your children when they came home. I know you held them as long as they would let you hold them. Mental health, mental illness. We need mental health. Yeah, we are going to need a lot of mental health in this fucking country. Can you imagine the mental health care that the other students, the other staff members, the teachers, the police officers, the fucking parents of the dead slaughtered children you pieces of weak shit and you're i'm not gonna let you look away we have voters in this country that only only pick out a few fucking issues and that's what they vote on and every single time it's to take away your rights your right to your uterus your right to your fucking vote and your right to your children's safety. You don't think we have the fucking right to live in this country? You don't think our children had the right to learn without being scared that they're gonna be fucking mowed down, torn apart by a semi-automatic rifle because you got a boner for guns. So you can protect your TV and you can shoot politicians, you dirty motherfuckers. You a sufficiently American response, doesn't it? <laughs> Tony Michaels is a radio broadcaster, incidentally, just to explain that. And he really had, as clearly evident, some very strong words for the Republican Party. Well, I concur his sentiments. Jumping to the other side of the Atlantic, or maybe actually, you know, Biden and, and his, the first lady, Jill, his wife, um, they sent uh, the, their uh, thank you and congratulations oh, yes. to the Queen for her Platinum Jubilee, as did many others. It was quite funny over the weekend, various heads appearing. Dame Julie Andrews, Judy Dench. Yeah, all of them start to appear. 
There was Catherine, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones at one point. I was like, okay, and she says something in Welsh at the end. But yes, yeah, 70 years of her madge on the, on the throne. And uh, I think the fitting joke was, yeah, putting up with prime ministers past and present. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the rumour mill is now that, especially after the report, I don't think we've had a show since we've seen the wonderful Sue Gray's report about them throwing up in the bin and no, we haven't. wearing at cleaners and so on from all the parties and, and blah, blah, blah. The saga rumbles on Desmond because there's still whether or not he will be held in contempt in Parliament for willfully misleading Parliament and so on. But in the meantime, it looks like the Tories are a bit confused. They've forgotten they are the party of regicide. They've forgotten that they are the party of Shakespeare and Macbeth. When you are ready, you go, you lynch, you kill. They haven't done so yet. Or they may have done so. And just because it's the Jubilee weekend, a lot of people are saying Graham Brady wouldn't ruin the celebrations by announcing there is a vote of no confidence in the Prime Minister. So it would be out of character, Majesty. wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, just a little. It might deter a bit from Her Majesty's celebrations. So, um, yeah, in the next few days, we will find out one way or the other when Graham Brady chooses to open up his mouth. But they need 54 letters and they feel like they might have achieved that by now. But they're just a bit gutless. I thought these Tories were, had more nous in them, Des. You know, but then who's well, coming next? I think this is their problem. None of them can agree on the next candidate. You know, do you want Dominic Raab? Liz Truss? <laughs> Rishi Sunak? He'll just have to carry on dishing out money. He might be the, prime, the loved prime minister. He just kept giving us money. You know, next he'll cotton on to the idea about a universal income. So, yeah, it's uh, it's all proving very interesting. And Keir Starmer is still like, oh, uh, we don't know if he's going to get fined or not. He, We've got the pictures. He told the story. Like, it, there's not a level of equivalence when the address in the United Kingdom that has the most fines to date is 10 Downing Street. Like, that's what you've got to think. And all these poor junior staffers that got fined. And then what I love is the way that they, they answer. Yes, the prime minister did get a fixed penalty notice and he paid it immediately as if that makes it better. You know, if he'd waited 36 hours, oh dear, you know, that, that's awful on him. And oh, the rule shouldn't have been that anyway. No, you wrote the damn things, but this just go, it goes to the key of what the man is just, you know, blunders through and there are no consequences for him ever. There may be this time. There may be this time. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it, how these constitutional things are hitting both us and the US at the same moment. There is a historical equivalence, actually. It's interesting, that. Um, and there's almost like a copycat action. Um, at the moment, I would imagine that both countries on either side of the Atlantic are weighing up the the slow erosion of dem democracy in their country. Um, and the British probably are a bit more acutely sensitive to it than the American. But we, we don't really hear about what the American... It's difficult to know what the actual American people think. It's really hard to know that. Well, and that's look, at, look, look at the recent, what do they call it, primaries before the big election, midterm elections in November. And the candidates that Trump has been supporting have been losing. You know, our friend Brad, uh, Brad Raffensperger over in Georgia won by a significant majority. Yep, that is you true. Know, so I think, I think I'd like to think there's, and it's really hard to know, like you say, but most level-headed Americans are like, oh, dear Lord, we cannot let these nutters in. You know, let's, but it's the way that they've redrawn all the maps as well. And also, they've now flooded the voting system with cronies that will, you know, sit there and start tearing up votes for the Democrats, basically, <laughs> you know, or stopping any way of people registering. But there again, there is a fight back against a lot of that in different states and happening in different ways. And it's, it's too many things to cover. There's 50 odd states, and the detail level in each of them is insane. But there is a huge, reluctance on the Republican part to play ball. <laughs> At least in the old-fashioned dirty politics, this is just cheating. <laughs> you can play dirty, but you, hence the word play, not cheat. Anyway, 
let's see if Boris gets found out for cheating. <laughs> right, that's All it, right. Des. That's been a bumper-packed edition. What's, hasn't it what's, play, what's playing us out this week? Well, um, there was a, a lot of deep thinking about this, um, and it's... Uh, <sighs> The, the the comment made by the young boy, um, it's time to die, um, I thought it struck me uh, enormously, uh, hiding under the table in that room with gunmen had sat with them for 70 minutes. I thought really struck me and I thought probably find something that's relevant to that. And what I've uncovered is a song called We Wanna Live, the total reverse of that, um, by Carl and Carol Jacobs. Catch you next week, this. And you, Dave. This is Caribbean Vibe.